Welcome to the Human Inclusive Podcast, where we curate stories that amplify diverse populations. We take a peek into the lives of our allies as they share their experiences in an effort to help communities build empathy and compassion for coexistence. I'm Leah. I use she, her. I'm Christopher. He, him. And together, we are Human Inclusive. This podcast is brought to you by Dante32. I've thought a lot recently about how we celebrate entrepreneurship, and I really want to talk about it because it seems to be the celebration of a certain kind of entrepreneur that we're most commonly seeing. I mean, okay, let's talk about it for a second. What are the first thoughts that come to mind or who comes to mind when you think of an entrepreneur? Um, let's see, like Arlen Hamilton, Isa Watson, Jessica O. Matthews. Okay, maybe not you and me, but what do most people maybe think about when they hear the rags to riches entrepreneur or the entrepreneurs most people strive to be like? Oh, like Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah, Jack Dorsey. Yep, 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 those. And most of these white cis privileged men have a common thread. What, that that they're white, cis, male, and privileged? Well, yes, and uh, how about access? Hmm. Okay, sure, they all have a billion-dollar ideas, clearly, but they didn't come to those ideas alone or without earlier influences that came from their access, access to support, education, technology, the space to create, explore, ideate on these ideas that turned into bigger dollars. They had the support of their parents or they went to elite schools. And even if they were dropouts, because we all know that we love those dropout stories, especially if it's coupled with success. And I'm not knocking their experience or what they've accomplished. I'm just saying it's unrealistic for a normal person to compare their journey against these that we're currently celebrating in the gig economy. What about the regular people or people who don't come from all of this privilege. I mean, add a layer of being a woman or Black or Latinx or LGBT who, I mean, they could also have that billion-dollar idea, but we might not know. What does their struggle or journey look like? Much different than those Silicon Valley white men. Yeah, yeah, uh, much different. Ehi Amiawu, the mother of five children, left her job making a really good salary because she felt called to help people in her own community. I don't need to be here. I need to figure out what's going on at home. I need to help our communities. I need to do something to be better, to do better. Today, we'll introduce you to Ahi and talk about some of the roadblocks that she had getting Geek Empowered, her own tech company off the ground, and starting Code Burnout, a podcast to support budding entrepreneurs. We're talking about a different kind of entrepreneur that might look a little more familiar to some folks that experience life with an unvarnished lens. Ahi talks about challenges in her life and the work she's doing to help those in her community despite what they're working against. Her story highlights the new profile of an entrepreneur and what keeps her vision alive. We're not only highlighting her, but also talking about some of the trials and tribulations people go through when going off on their own and multiple pivots people take when starting something from scratch. She's inspiring to say the least. Ahi has had such an impact on her community as well as the both of us. She left the rat race of corporate America. And although she's always been an entrepreneur in some way, shape, or form, she decided to just take this leap of faith to give back to her community. And her story is the type of story we rarely hear or celebrate. 
Yes. So my name is Ahia Mule, and um, I like to call myself the computer science dropout who could not stay away from tech, even if she tried. That is me. (laughs) So why does this topic matter in regards to the conversation around moving the needle on diversity and inclusion and elevating voices of historically underrepresented folks? She didn't have the capital or funds, yet she's leveraging her skills as a serial entrepreneur and tech consultant to reinvest in her community. She's persisting through the challenges. I was always braiding hair or making jewelry or trying to sell hats online. Funny enough, Geek Empowered started off as a completely different company. I started Geek Moms Code to kind of help convince other people that they can be in tech too, like this is a space for them. So I started off that way and I did a lot of pivoting in the beginning because I was trying to figure out what is this space that I need to build to bring more people into what I do as a technologist. And it took a lot of talking with other people. I did the Lean startup for a while with Enterprise Next here at IC Stars. It ended up turning into Geek Empowered after so many failed attempts of trying to do a co-working space. Like I realized it's just not the thing that I need to do right now. I'll need to raise a lot of capital. I don't have access to any funds. So I need to do something else. What am I good at doing? And I knew that I was really good at having an idea and then launching a website literally that evening. I would just have a website up. So I thought I could pretty much do that same skill for other people and just charge them. So I did that for a few family members and I did that for some friends. And then it kind of turned into this huge thing. The thing is, so many potential entrepreneurs get discouraged because the everyday person doesn't see themselves reflected in the celebrated entrepreneur. And this is why Ahi's story is special. She also provides an outlet for those who are in that situation. Cold burnout started because I was really frustrated and stressed out working on client projects. And it was two o'clock in the morning and I thought, How many other entrepreneurs are going through this, but they have nobody to talk to or nobody to call at 3 a.m.? Would it be good to have something to listen to to encourage them to keep going? What is that thing right now? That thing is podcast. So maybe I should do a podcast from 2 a.m. The next morning, I bought the domain and I built up the website and I threw it out there to Facebook, not planning any of it, but just pushing it out there. And people needed it so bad that it just encouraged me to keep going. Okay, Leah. I love Ahi's drive and energy around just do it. And I also understand why people aren't as eager to jump off the ledge into entrepreneurship. There's a lot that goes into getting started, figuring out your target audience, clarifying your product or your service, as well as your vehicle for getting it to the public. If you don't have the network, access, or financial stability, how do you really just do it? And I'm using air quotes there. Doesn't that get in the way of most people trying to start out on their own? Right. That's a good question. But it's it's why I loved this discussion with Ahi so much. She is a great representation of exactly that. And she talks about it openly. Let's hear what she has to say about it. You don't need, like, we have enough barriers that are there more in the long run. Even when I tell people now, like, you can start a business, they immediately think about money. They think they need to get capital. They need to get this, need to get that. And they're placing barriers in front of themselves before they even start it. And I'm here to say, like, just start it. Start it. Because nobody's going to open that door for you, especially if you're sitting there doing nothing. Act on it. See what you can do with nothing. Because even with code burnout, there was a time where I was like, okay, well, I don't have podcast mics. I'm going to ask people for money so I could get 
podcast mics and I put it all over LinkedIn and I saw a video. They pretty much said, if you're asking for money, people aren't going to pay because they want to see what you can do with nothing. So now I challenged myself and I said, okay, what can I do with nothing? Unfortunately, put everything on my phone <laughs> and the phone died out. But then that's another, that's another obstacle that I need to jump over. And you just keep pushing. You push until you can't physically push anymore. Geek Empowered is geared towards women-owned, purpose-driven businesses. And it took me a very long time to kind of narrow it down to that. And the reason why I had to narrow it down is because a lot of women, when they start businesses, they go through a lot of confidence issues. They need a lot of extra support. And I'm here to say, like, I have been through the fire (laughs) more than one time. I'm not just building your websites or building your tech ecosystem or building your systems. I'm also helping you support wise to mentally get through this because a lot of it is just going through the mental of understanding that they are starting this business. Yes, it's going to be rough. Let's figure out what you need to do to get to the next step. Wow. Ahi, she does have an audience. It's her people. But beyond that, she is the representation of people living her American dream. You know, we hear about the American dream in society, like we all have this same dream. But listening to Ahi, you really realize that there are many variations of the American dream. Oh, tell me more. Tell me more. I think that When you think about the American dream, you think about home ownership, white picket fence, access, privilege. And I think, you know, me as a black male, one that is from a historically underrepresented or underprivileged group, I'll never have the same access to that American dream because the equity just isn't there for my family or for the people around me. That's a really good point. And maybe the American dream has changed. Maybe it's not about home ownership or living in suburbia. Or maybe the American dream was only ever intended for a certain kind of person. Talk about systemic suppression staring us in the face. For Ahi, her American dream is helping those around her that have been suppressed for generations because of who they are and systems like de jure segregation. It's crazy to think about her story and reflect on my own white privilege. I think about money to cover my phone bills, rent, gas, lifestyle things. It's frivolous, really. And maybe even a little embarrassing to call out because I have, for the most part, a stable roof over my head and a safe environment to retreat to if I'm ever in a bind. But still, I find excuses not to venture off on my own or invest in the entrepreneurial ideas because of fear. Really? Fear is my main blocker. But what about folks who have more than fear to face? Fear and... Life life hits for a lot of people, especially while they're starting out. And it's easy. It's easy for people to give up as soon as life hits. Like even for me, when I started out, I was going to court dealing with restraining orders. I was dealing with like kids stuff and hospitalizations. I was dealing with all kinds of stuff when I started. And it's extremely hard to get through that stuff alone. That's real. Wow. Can you imagine how powerful it could be if we had more people that we looked up to and could also see a reflection of ourselves in? Sure, they're out there, but I just feel like they're shared less often, or we hide these stories in shame. These personal issues are very real things that because of social status or privilege or fragility, we don't talk about them. 
especially when it comes to the story of entrepreneurship. Maybe because it feels uncomfortable. Like, "Mm, yeah, don't tell people about that. You know, we paint this story through rose-colored glasses, the the fake-it-until-you-make-it mentality. And all that does is really formulate this false entrepreneur experience, when the truth is that entrepreneurs come in all shapes, sizes, colors, and hues. It's really unfortunate that people who don't fit the mold are truly underestimated. I'm intrigued by Ahe's story because I watch people like Isa Watson and Jessica Matthews And these women are inspiring. Look at what they're accomplishing and have accomplished to date. But gosh, I mean, the bar is so high for women of color. They both hold multiple postgraduate degrees in science and business. People of color, especially women of color, face more roadblocks because they're often underestimated or not taken as seriously because they don't have the letters behind their name. And it's pretty much a requirement to have the accolades and accomplishments the degrees, to even be considered or enter a room with these traditionally recognized success stories. I know Ahi isn't alone in what she faces while also hustling, but my hope is that other folks like her pave pathways for people coming up behind them to follow in their steps or create their own paths. There needs to be more visibility into all the possibilities that are out there when you buckle down despite the fear creeping up and the other challenges that arise while working at it at the same time. You're right. The bar isn't lower for people of color. It's actually a lot higher. And that's funny because I was listening to Isa talk on a podcast the other day, and she said that one of her funders called her a risk, not because of her product, but because she isn't the normal white college dropout. Are you serious? Yeah, for real. And what's crazy is that many of the traditional white guys don't deal with things like imposter syndrome or have to face insecurities that women and people of color do, especially Black and Latinx people. I was really insecure about my name because I have a Nigerian name. It is no way of hiding that name. And Nigerians are known for it. I hate to say it and I hate saying it because I cringe every time I say it, but like, Nigerians have the stereotype of being scammers. So I was very nervous about telling people like, hey, I'll build your website. Actually, people did not believe that I was in tech for a really long time because of so many random things that I did throughout being an entrepreneur. People thought I was a photographer or they thought that I was just working for somebody else doing random stuff. People thought I was an assistant. It took them a really long time to understand like, okay, I am in the tech space. I know how to write code. (laughs) I am working with these companies. And especially not older people didn't believe, like people who were my age, people who knew me, like they just couldn't believe that I was in the spot that I was in. When I first stepped into the organization that I worked for as a Black woman, I was honestly scared to death. I don't have the educational background. I didn't talk like a technical person. And I realized years down the line, that's what I was meant to tell people. Like that was how I was feeling. But in the beginning, I didn't know how to express that. I just knew it as, okay, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not good enough for this. And I kept walking into that space thinking that. And it was more for my background than it was for me being a Black woman. There were a few microaggressions that would happen, not at our job, but at the client spaces that we worked for. And a lot of the stuff I had to brush off because I knew, I knew walking in that I needed to be, how do I put it? I almost want to call it code switching. I knew that I needed to talk a certain way. I knew I needed to be 
in a certain role. And if I stepped outside of that role, people would look at me funny. <laughs> and for me, I ended up feeling more comfortable in the funny Black girl. So that was my goal, just to have people like me in that space. Because if people didn't like me, then I immediately turn into the big Black bitch. These are the barriers that traditional entrepreneurial story just doesn't shine light on. Like, I'd love to pick up Forbes, Washington Post, Entrepreneur, any of them, and see more stories like this. I knew I needed to leave two years after starting. And I was working full-time as a consultant for a good four years. But I knew two years into it that it wasn't for me. And I knew that because, to be honest, I knew I was never meant to work in the corporate space from the beginning. But I realized I'm fighting... I'm fighting somebody else's battle right now. I'm not fighting for my battle. I'm not fighting for something that I need to keep pushing for because I know that I can easily be plucked off of this team and move somewhere else. I had to take a moment to think, am I really contributing to my community? Am I really helping them out? Do I even know what's happening in the Black community in tech? I had no idea. I just felt like I was pushing someone else's agenda. I was fighting for things I didn't really need to fight for. I was putting a ton of energy into stuff that I didn't want to do that wasn't benefiting me. It was just benefiting this multi-million dollar company. I felt like I was just put in these spaces to help these other clients make millions when people in my neighborhood were struggling. And a big part of me felt like I was living a double life because at work, I was cheery and I was happy and I was in this super happy tech space and we're doing all these incredible things for these clients and I get to go to all these different conferences and I'm traveling and I'm doing all these great things because I'm working for this company. But then when I get home, I am literally living in a danger zone where if I step out, I can get shot or the stores that are in our neighborhoods are getting pulled out. We pretty much lived in a food desert where you will see stores being shut down. You see boarded up buildings and you see people on the street selling everything from loose squares to Lord knows what. And when you go home and you see that stuff every day, you just think, what is happening? What is going on in this neighborhood? Like, what is happening to our people? People turn to violence because they don't know better. People turn to violence because all we see is... We pretty much see nothing. We just see boarded up homes and garbage everywhere. And we see other neighborhoods getting bought out and taken and scraped up and they're building new stuff on top of it. And they say, you know, the rent's going up. Like that, that's what we see, just a whole bunch of despair and a whole bunch of violence and a whole bunch of killings. So there was a point where I just got completely sick of it. And I just got frustrated with myself. And I told myself, what am I doing? I don't need to be here. I need to figure out what's going on at home. I need to help our communities. I need to do something to be better, to do better. This is the energy I love seeing. Ahi, like any other entrepreneur, faced adversity head on. She didn't let the system get to her. She's lifting up the people around her and lifting herself up, growing her business, providing services to others, and crushing it at the same time. You're right, Leah. We don't hear these stories. So we celebrate stories of people that are these stories that are unobtainable and that fit into a certain kind of box. We look at people like the Steve Jobs, the Jack Dorsey's, the Mark Zuckerberg's as these saviors and life changers living the ultimate American dream. 
And while their products might provide access and help some people, that's not their first or second or really even their third goal. I know you have to make money. It's a crucial part of business. But Ahi is doing business for a lot less than she could if she sold it for what it's really worth. And she's lifting up an entire community. That's freaking phenomenal. We often forget that entrepreneurs don't have to make billions or even millions to be entrepreneurs. There's power in taking control of what you bring in, changing your opportunities, and doing more than just clocking in and out. You don't have to leave your job. I mean, sometimes people have shit they need to handle, and you have to take care of yourself. It's great to be idealistic, but we also have to be realistic. For Ahi, this is her reality, and she's ready to help other people with that. The same type of idea where you leave and you just start things and make them happen, or if you want to stay and still make them happen, you still have that support. But my hope is that listening to her gives other people who think that their life is too heavy the encouragement to pursue their curiosities and interests. From working in a corporation and doing that for four years and constantly traveling and pushing your value and just being on top of everything. Working in the tech space seems like we are all replaceable. And if you're not constantly working or constantly being on top of things, that you could be fired or you could be replaced or you're going to be put out of the space and all of that. So I created Code Burnout to create a space where we could talk about mental health. A lot of us really need to zone into our own mental health and just check in with ourselves and see if we're okay. I realize a lot of us are overworked. A lot of us are stressed. A lot of us are crying at home every night and going through the blood, sweat, and tears. And nobody's really talking about it. And if they do, especially if you work at corporate, they just kind of hand you a, a sheet of paper and they say, go call this number and they can refer you to a therapist. Even for me, I have kids depending on me. I have a family depending on me. So I have to do this no matter what. I put myself in that situation on purpose because I knew that if I had some type of cushion underneath me, I wasn't going to go full force. So I knew for me, I needed to go full force. But that's also not for everybody. Do what works for you. Putting this all together, I know it sounds cliche when people say trust your instincts and following your ideas is terrifying. And as scary as they are, if it scares you, then that's probably the thing you should be doing. It scares you because you haven't done it yet. You will fail. The failures suck and they hurt. And you don't know, nor can you predict what's on the other side. But the journey will teach you something about yourself, about how you interact with others, and how others interact with you. It's not easy, but you seriously never know until you make your best attempt. So what I'm taking away now, and I'm learning this the more that I talk about my story, because it was really hard in the beginning to talk about my story. It was really hard to say, I'm coming from a really bad neighborhood, or I am a college dropout. Like It's hard. It was hard in the beginning for me to say those things. But what I'm learning now is it's a healing process to talk about these things and say these things out loud. Like I I didn't hop on thinking that I was going to talk about my double life that I lived while I was working as a full-time consultant. I didn't think I was going to bring that up at all. But reflecting on that helps me reassure what my mission is. Like, this is why I push as hard as I do, because I do recognize that it's very easy to give up and just say, 
I am done. I'm going back to my corporate job. Like I'm kind of done with all of this. But just having that reminder, this is why I did it, just helps me push even further. Oh, just listening to Ahi just makes me push further. Yes, 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 yes. Right? Like you just have to start. So what about you, Leah? What are you taking home? Number one takeaway, don't settle. Just go for it. I definitely say don't settle. Because we're from underprivileged, underserved neighborhoods, we've been taught that we just need to settle with getting food stamps and getting a job and we'll be okay. That is what we've been taught. It's like, okay, you go to school, you get the job, get what you need to get. If you fall off that track, then go on government assistance, then you'll be okay there. And then I see a lot of people, especially in the neighborhood that I come from, I see a lot of them settle. They just settle. They're like, I just hope this thing comes through because I'm just going to work this job at whatever. And then I'll live in some studio or something and then I'll be okay. And nobody's really thinking about their dreams. Nobody's really thinking about what they really want to achieve in life. Like nobody's really going for it unless somebody has to like physically like push them towards it. And I tell, especially for the entrepreneurs who want to do it, if you have any, any little notion, any thought that it'll be nice if I can do that, just go for it. I'm the queen of just jumping on an idea and going full force into it. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But when it does work out, people are like, oh, my God, how did you do it? And it's literally taking a step at a time after that one thought of it would be nice to do that. That's right. All right. I love it. Anyone who's listening and wants to help Ahe grow her business, holler at your girl. She means holler at your girl. Oh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) So here's how you can keep tabs on how Ahe's doing. The quickest way is Instagram, Instagram.com slash Geek Empowered. If you're also into video, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Just look for my name, Ahe Amiwu. And you'll find me on LinkedIn or you can follow the hashtag 100 Days of Value, where I constantly talk about the value that I learned in my day working as an entrepreneur. Are you an entrepreneur? Do you have a story to tell? Human Inclusive wants to hear from you. Hit us up on email, Instagram, wherever. We want to explore more of these uncensored, raw stories to give an inside peek to how folks are building their dreams despite barriers they may have. The more we share real stories, the more we show up as our whole selves. Let's help others by telling your story. Submit it to our website at humaninclusive.com or email us humaninclusive at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on the gram at humaninclusive. We wouldn't have been able to kick this season off without our committed Human Inclusive listening circle. You all have provided us with valuable feedback and ideas throughout the development of this podcast. So thank you. Special thanks to our trusted advisor, Mark D. Hans, who helps us think differently, creatively, and brings our ideas to life. Follow him on Instagram at Mark D. Hans, that's spelled M-A-R-C-D-H-A-N-S. Music and sound effects are composed and produced by Justin Plot Ramos. You can find him on Instagram at Plot Ramos, spelled P-L-A-T-R-A-M-O-S. Human Inclusive is produced by Christopher Guest and Leah James. Thanks to Dante32, a production company that assists new podcasters like us to get off the ground with editing and post-production of the episodes in this season. Thank you for listening to Human Inclusive. We'll catch you next time.